Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Valley Lights Church again. Uh, good to see everybody from up here. This, uh, this morning, I'll be speaking to you because our, our pastor, Bruce, is off uh, on his vacation, which if anybody who knows Bruce, Bruce is a very, very, very hard worker. Uh, so we're thankful when he finally takes vacation because he needs the rest. Gives him some opportunity for him and his family to connect and have some good, uh, good, make some good memories together. Uh, but this, uh, this week, I'll be speaking. Next week, Zach will be taking over. And uh, it's, uh, it's kind of an awesome uh, opportunity for us to share with you some things that God has uh, been working on in our lives. And we're starting a new series that we'll be kind of tag-teaming together called Sharpened. In this, uh, this message series, we're going to be looking at kind of a theme verse will be Proverbs 27, 17. You can see up here, you may have heard this before, but it says, As iron sharpens iron, um, so, another man, uh, so one man sharpens another. And uh, this has been uh, a verse that I definitely have seen uh, over and over, uh, how, how much God has used other people uh, to sharpen me. And honestly, uh, my wife and I, we moved here to help get Valley Lights Church started. And moving out here, I thought, you know, man, we're just going to help a lot of people and it's going to be great. Honestly, I have been so sharpened by being a part of this church. And some of what I'm going to share today comes out of a fairly challenging part of the sharpening process. As you can see, whenever their sharpening goes on, sparks are going to fly. So I'm just going to throw this out there. This one is going to be hopefully a message that will grow your faith as, you, uh, as, as maybe you're challenged a little bit in how we relate together and how God uses us gathering together to sharpen one another. But as I get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever heard a, a friend recount a story and you were just like, oh, I wish I could have been there just to just say, don't do that. Uh, one of my buddies one time uh, came over to my house and he had uh, two crutches. Of course, just like anybody, I'd ask, what happened to your legs? And uh, he was a student at USC and he was walking across campus just like every student, he's not looking forward, he's looking down at his phone, and he had ear pods in, the old ones with the wire and everything, so he's completely isolated, not paying attention to anything, and he came across a spike strip. Yes, you see where this is going. So he stepped on one side of the spike strip, luckily missed the second one, but that caused him to then break his other ankle. And I just like heard this story, and I, luckily, again, he was fine. His, heel, his legs have healed. I'm still friends with this guy. But I was just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, if I could have just been there, I could have helped you. That would have been great. Um, each of us probably can think of something that you've seen where you go, should I say something? Here's one that you've probably seen before. Okay, this is like the low bar of helping somebody out. You see this and you go, and it's always, I mean, whenever I have spinach in my teeth or something like that, it's never like when I'm not telling a big story. It's like, here, come here, let's get as many people around to see how silly I look. Uh, but you have to come to that moment where you say, okay, oh, this is going to be awkward. Do I tell them right now? Do I pull them to the side? Is there a way to do this to distract everybody? Like, hey, everybody look over there and then let them know, something like that. Here's another one where we might be tempted to get involved. And again, this guy, he thinks he's like the star of the show because everybody's probably waving and honking and whatever, trying to get his attention. But he's got the coffee on the roof. 
So I, I've, I've definitely run across uh, parking lots to help people with the coffee on the roof. But here's another one that I see all the time around here. Who has actually seen a rattlesnake in Santa Clarita? Okay, good, okay, good. So there are rattlesnakes here. I will say I have not seen one yet. I've lived here for three years now. I've not seen one yet. But my wife and I cannot go out to our, the wildlife area over in Summit Park without somebody saying, you guys, watch out for the rattlesnakes. So they, I, don't, I don't know if you're a person that gets involved, that feels like that, that need. Some, some people are just that kind of person. They see something happening, and they just have to get involved. Maybe you're not that kind of person. Um, but there is something, something to getting involved in speaking into people's life that is really, really awkward, but it, it may be the thing that that person needs to be sharpened. So as we talk through this, I can feel that there's probably gonna be some tension that's gonna be building as you kind of look at uh, people talking into your life. There's all kinds of different ways people talk into their life, into your life. But I wanna start with a, another verse that uh, kind of ups the ante a little bit on this whole thing. It's uh, Proverbs 14, 12, and it says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's another translation of this that says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it, it leads to death. Man, the first time I read that, it was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's some ways that lead to death. You know, they're challenging. But the, the thing that gives me just the chills is, it says that there's a way that appears right. It appears right to the person, but it leads to death. That's awful. That's really scary. What if there is a way that seems right to you, but leads to death? That's not good. Maybe, maybe you're tired of hearing about this, but we've all been talking about the submersible. Everybody tracking with that? The Titan submersible. Really, really sad thing that happened. I was thinking about this, and um, when I first heard the whole thing, I was like, well, there you go. These people are making all this money off people going down to the Titanic, and then, you know, disaster strikes. But when you really read about the story, the, guy, the CEO was on the ship, or on the submersible. Sorry, I'm going to keep calling. I'll probably call it a ship several times, but there, the, the CEO was on the ship, the submersible. So it, it had to have seemed right to him. And if you read articles about it, which again, they were everywhere these last few weeks, the, there were lots of people that warned this guy. So over and over, he was taking people down to go see the Titanic, a fun thing to do. He did it over and over, so there's no way that you could have convinced this guy that it's not gonna work because it's worked over and over and over. But that was a way that sadly it did, it led, it led to death. Maybe, maybe you've seen um, somebody in your family that they had followed a path that seemed right to them, but it led to their death. I know I've seen that in my family. But maybe, maybe the ways that we take in life are not going to lead us necessarily to like our physical death. But how many different ways do we have that seem right to us, but they waste so much of our life? They waste time. They waste money. They, they waste the precious few opportunities, because the older I get, the more I realize that there's, there's so many opportunities in life, but they only come around every once in a while. The opportunities of life that could make a big difference, 
and they, we just squander them because we're taking away that seems right to us, but it doesn't lead to the result that we're looking for. How about this? Let's reword this verse just slightly. Instead of uh, there's a way that seems right to a person, um, how about this? There's a way to parent that seems right, but does not lead to the desired result. There's a way to date. I've definitely experienced this one. There's a way that to date that seems right, but it does not lead to the desired result. There's a way to do marriage, to relate to your husband or wife, that seems right, but it does not lead to the result that you're looking for. There's a way to have fun that does not lead to the objective of having fun, ultimately. God really has made life in such a way that we, we have brains. God's given us intellect so that we can see things, and he, he's given us a mind to reason things through. But he really has made, made the world in such a way that we really need each other. And as a church, one of the things that we try to do every week is get together and look at what the Scripture says and take it seriously. And I want to challenge you this morning as we read through this uh, to, to take this, uh, the, the, the passage that we're looking at and, uh, and really engage with it. Be challenged by it because this may be challenging. I think as Americans, this one would be very challenging. So we're start today uh, in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. And it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So the word that is uh, translated encourage there, it could be better in the original Greek language, it could be better translated to call forward. To call forward somebody from the way that they're going to God's way. When, when I think about that, I, I try to sugarcoat it or think of it as like, oh, I'm going to call somebody along. We're going to call them forward to God's way. We're going to encourage them to move forward to God's way. But honestly, a lot of times, if I think about how we would practically do that, that is correction. We're going to have to correct somebody. We're going to have to take them from, hey, you were going this way. God's way, word says to do this. We have to fill the gap. Like, if you, if you want to be going God's way, if you've agreed to go God's way, you have to move forward, and you know, there's going to have to be correction that's going to take place. So the blank that's on your uh, handout, which I always have to highlight the blank, because if I don't do that, I know some of you will be really upset. Also, it, it makes it very confusing, obviously. But without correction, so that's the blank, we tend to drift from doing things God's way. And this passage is a really great... Uh, spells that out for us. It says here in verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Hebrews has, there's a lot of different, there, I mean, it's a, it really is a great book of the Bible. If you're looking for a book of the Bible to read during the summer, Hebrews may be a, a really good book for you. It talks a lot about who God is. It talks about the law and like why, why, uh, why it exists. But another theme of Hebrews is calling people to not turn away from God. So if you don't want to turn away from God, this, this book of the Bible is a really, really helpful tool in, in doing that. So we have a problem 
that we as humans, we do naturally turn away from God. And something that the way he says it here is that we don't have, or making sure that we don't have an unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. If you think about all the different things that we do that get off track, there when we, when we don't take God seriously, when we have an unbelieving heart that says, you know what, God may have said this, but it's not that serious. I don't have to take it that serious. When we get into the realm of, of not, not having a believing heart in God, we turn away and do our own thing. And that's when we get into sin. And sin is a real problem in the church because most of the time, sin seems right. It's what, it's what kind of like we're, we're kind of hardwired to do. These are things that we drift into over and over and over. Uh, and it says here uh, in the end of the, the verse, uh, to encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So not only do we have this tendency to drift into unbelief that, you know, God doesn't really care. He's not really involved in my life. He doesn't really, really see what's going on. But we have this problem that we can harden, our life can get hardened to where the sin pattern, the way that we do things that are not, is not God's way, hardens. It becomes a habit. It becomes just the way that we live our life. And honestly, this becomes even more tricky because that's kind of the way that our society does things. So if you're looking for people who are going to call you to something different, you probably aren't going to find it on TV. You're not going to find it on YouTube. You're probably not going to find it on social media. It's really hard to find people like this. But Hebrews gives us the hope here because it says, but encourage one another daily. So who, I mean, who is this? Who's this that's doing this? Do you see people walking down the street encouraging people to move from ungodliness and move over to godliness? I mean, if somebody randomly on the street did that to you, what would you, what would you say? Well, you'd probably like be like, crazy person, get away from me. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't know you. I'm not going to do what you say. And honestly, most people, we, we, have, we have a real challenge in listening to correction because it's, it's just hard. I, I, I hate it. I hate, I hate anything where I have to admit that I don't know something. It's very, very difficult for me. The time, though, that I would be willing to, to listen to correction is when I realize that I really am off track, that I was wrong, that this is something that is going to benefit me by listening to this person, by taking that step and listening to the person that, uh, that it's going to be worth it because I'm going to be able to get back on God's track. So the only people that are actually going to be able to pull this off are here. They're not physically in this room because we have people that are part of this church that are not here today for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter but in a community, a community of people who've committed to follow Jesus as the boss, the Lord of their life. And in our church on any given Sunday morning, we have people that have said, I want to be a Christian. I have fully committed. I want to follow Christ. And we have people that are just trying to figure it out, and that's all great. Uh, but if you've decided to become a member here at Valley Lights, one of the, the, the challenges that we have as members is that we agree to correct one another, to call each other out. When you see a person in, who has said, hey, I have committed to follow Jesus Christ, if they've stepped outside the bounds of following Christ in whatever realm, that you would call them out. And that's what this, this, this uh, passage says. 
spells out for us is that that has to be done. So maybe this is a new idea. Maybe you've heard this before. Uh, but as Christians, as people, as normal Christians, not just as pastors, I know Bruce does a fair amount of calling people out as part of his role as our pastor. But as just normal Christians, that's who the, is, they're writing to here. As normal Christians, we are challenged to encourage one, each other, encourage one another, meaning we call each other forward to God's ways. We can correct one another. Man, the ante just went up. You may have come here for the easy uh, summertime message, and I do think that there's going to be some refreshment in this. But this is a challenge. This isn't a call for us all to grow up as we look to follow Christ, because as we call each other forward, we grow together. So Hebrews 10, 24, is, uh, 24 and 25 is the next one that I wanted just to read. And it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another toward, uh, on, uh, another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another in all the more as you see the day approaching. So this same word is used again, this, encourage, uh, this word encouragement, and the word encouraging again is to call one another forward. And it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And it's actually, especially during the summertime, when it's really easy to get out of the habit of meeting together, because we got stuff to do. All of us have stuff to do. You know, we, we take some time off a couple times a year. Uh, to have some time to make some memories as a family, to take vacation, to get away from it all. But that's not what it's talking about. It's not saying, hey, don't take a vacation, don't take a Sunday off, don't be you know, around. But definitely do not let it become a habit. And I think one of the key reasons why we don't want it to become a habit is because we don't want to have this hardening process that it talked about in chapter 3 happening on a regular basis. We get away from church for just a little, little bit of time and suddenly some new habits form, some new ideas uh, form, new, new things speaking into our lives uh, that could be really harmful to us. And so the challenge of both of these verses are really warnings to us in the church that if we've teamed together and we've said, hey, listen, we want to follow Christ, then we also, as part of that, challenge one another to follow Christ. That's pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, a lot of times I think most people, when we think about the church, we think about the pastor coming up here and he says something really convicting and you go, man, pastor, that was really tough. But imagine if we encourage one another, we call each other forward. We know each other well enough and love each other well enough that we can call each other forward to all that God wants for our lives. Just normal people like us. Honestly, it's just a normal crowd. Normal people like us can do this, and normal people like us are called to do it. So if you're going to do this, how would you get started in this process? I want to give some pretty practical tools that we can do this summer. Honestly, the summertime is a great time to start some spiritual disciplines because we usually have just a little bit more slack on our schedule. I know my summer so far, I keep talking about all the free time I have, and it hasn't existed, but I do have longer days, which is good. I have a little bit more time with my family during the day than I had the rest of the year. So that's a little bit more than I normally get. 
I have my work schedules a little bit different because my customers aren't contacting me the same way they do when they're not taking vacations. So there's been little places here and there where we have Slack and maybe you take a vacation. So this is something where maybe you could use some of your Slack this summer to, to grow uh, in, some, in, in this way spiritually. So the first thing that you could do that would be really practical to make progress in calling one another forward or correcting one another would be to make time for other people. This is a real challenge. When I was reading uh, the, the, in Hebrews uh, 3.13, it says, but encourage one another daily. So again, when I, when I was studying this, I, I realized that daily word is a real challenge to me. Like, I feel like I don't, I don't, I regularly connect with the church. I regularly get meals with people. I regularly am around people in our congregation. But daily? Man, I mean, we have a lot going on, especially in Santa Cruz. I feel like even more than some of the places I've lived in L.A., we, we work a lot. I mean, it, it, it costs a lot, so you have to work a lot. I mean, with the commute that you have to take, usually, I mean, I, I commute, the commute that I have to work a lot, I have to drive a lot. So it's like, okay, most of my schedule's taken up by that. Then we have our kids, we have grandkids, we have our kids' schedules, we have the things that they have to do and then the things that we want them to do, but it turns out to be all the time that we have. Extended family, any hobbies or activities that we have, there's all these different things, in, and that's not even included in things that we just want to do just to have fun and just to have some free time. So there's a lot of pressure around this, and that might be a challenge for you, is in order to grow as part of this body and really get to know people well enough to be able to call them forward, it may take some sacrifice of something in some, some dimension to have enough time just to get time with people. I... Um, I want to challenge you in a co- or give you a couple ideas of maybe how you can get time with people if that is the question, like how do I get time with people. I, I think Bruce said it really well last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but basically include people in the things that you're already doing. So we all have to eat at some point, I mean sometime. We all have to eat, and so maybe using those meal times is a great time to connect with people, get to know each other. Another thing is, uh, might not be as glamorous, but we have to do certain projects and things that may be better served if you had at least one other person with you. Uh, it might not be all that great for the person who, uh, you, who you're asking, but honestly, I've actually learned a lot and gotten to know a lot of people through connecting with them while working on projects and things like that that I just had to do anyway, and I needed the help, and it ended up being a great time to get to know somebody in a new way. But, or maybe it's a recreational activity that you like doing. Uh, find somebody that likes doing it and bring them along the process. Uh, anything that you can do to connect with people will give you an opportunity for God to use you in their life. And it really does take getting to know each other. Because again, if it's just some random person on the street, we're not going to, we're not going to make an impact on their life. But that's a cool thing about the church. When we band together, get to know each other, we can affect each other. The second thing is learn, uh, learn what the Bible says and put it into practice. This might be kind of like seem like a sidestep from helping other people and correcting other people, but it's really not. The only way that we can correct people 
in a way that's godly, that's right, that makes sense and actually benefits them, is if we know what the Bible says. And one of the common pushbacks whenever anybody thinks about somebody saying, you're going to correct me, is that they say, oh, this is, this, is, this is what churches always do. They correct one another, they judge you, all this kind of stuff, and they're just, just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, this is an image that I like to think of. Dude, you got a speck in your eye. So this comes from the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, came up with this illustration, so this is not my own original material. Uh, but Jesus saw this was a very common thing for us to do. And how, I mean, we do this. A lot of times when I come up with something where I go, that person's attitude is awful. Or, oh man, I can't believe they did that. It's so easy to say that, and I can see so clearly all the things that other people do, but it's really, really, really difficult to see the way that I do it. And so that's kind of the challenge of this whole thing, is that the only way that this works, the only way that this is healthy, is if we really humbly go to God's word ourselves, and as we're seeing something in somebody else's life, and we're so tempted that we're just going to drop the bomb, we're going to let them have it. We're going to tell them what they need to change. That we have to humbly step back and say, okay, do I do that? One of the challenges that I've found in learning how to do this in a good way is that every time I pull out the dagger, like I'm going to get to correct somebody, I'm going to get to, to tell them, you know, what's, what's wrong in their life, it's like tenfold back at me. And God has a way of using this process to grow me because now I have to figure out, am I doing this? Am I actually the one that needs correction here? Am I lining up with God's word? Am I needing to be called forward? So that's a big challenge. We need to know God's word in order to correct one another. We need to know God's word in order to see our lives line up with God's word that we can even call somebody forward to God's way. And then finally, I want to give some practical uh, help on how you would actually go about correcting someone. So what are some things that we can correct? So I put that on the handout, some pretty simple things that, that may be things that could be corrected. The first one is attitudes. So I highlighted that because that's kind of a general category, attitudes. We have certain attitudes that lead to some awful, awful outcomes, not just for ourselves, but towards other people. So one, uh, one verse that I put on there is Colossians 3.19. Uh, so it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So this is twofold. There's an action, there's an attitude and a behavior. So if you're harsh with your wife, it says here, it says, do not do that. If I'm harsh with my wife through my words, then I've behaved poorly. But what's behind that is an attitude that's that needs to be corrected, needs to be changed. So maybe that's one. Maybe in your marriage you can see that, or in somebody else's marriage you've seen that they need correction to be called towards godliness. And it's because of their attitude. The second thing would be a behavior. And um, I put on here Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And this isn't a, a complete list by any, uh, you know, stretch of the imagination, but... It's basically a list of common things that, uh, that we deal with uh, that are they're kind of fruits of our life here on earth in the flesh. 
When we do things our own way, we get into all kinds of awful stuff. And this verse calls it out. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's something, uh, some behavior that people are doing that you need to call out or call them to. The second thing would be words. Ephesians 4.29 is a good help with this. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So if you have people around that you see that it's their words really are not in line with the way God would have them use their words, uh, that's something that you could call somebody to. Something that would be harder to identify, but it's like the root cause of all these things, is really our perspectives and values. So perspective is how we see things. So there are a lot of people when they look at the world, they don't see God. They don't see God as a, as a, a factor. So that would be a perspective issue. Because if God is a factor, and he really does expect us to live a certain way, then that perspective needs to be changed. That would be a lot harder to correct in somebody, right? Or values. Values are kind of the priority ranking of the things that we say are important. Usually the problem, especially in uh, religious terms, is not do you love Jesus, but it's what do you love more than Jesus? That's a challenge. So values and perspectives are much deeper and much more difficult to correct, but they're, they're kind of a category of things that we may call each other towards. And then finally, I just put on here, uh, what does the Bible call out? Uh, there are lots and lots, of, most of the New Testament is letters to churches calling out things that they were trying to correct in their brothers and sisters. Not because Paul is just an awful person who judges everybody, but because Paul genuinely loved these people and it hurt him like a, like a parent hurts for their child. It hurt him to see them falling into sin that was wrecking their churches, that was hurting relationships, that was um, causing dishonor to God. So those are some things you could correct. Now, this is probably the most important part. How do you correct? How you correct is really going to be the game changer here. Because again, anybody... You may still have some reservations about doing this, or if this is just, Barry has an awful idea that he shared with the whole church this morning. But God has clearly called us to us, because you have the verses there, and you can study those for yourself. But it's how, how we do it is really what sets this apart, and I think that's, this is really where this is going to become an extremely powerful thing if we put it into practice. We have to start by correcting based on the right motives. The first and foremost, the motive that we have to have is love. The only way that this works is love. Because like I said, sometimes when you, when you go to correct somebody, it feels like you're taking out a dagger, like you're going you're gonna to do something. You're going to change them in some way. Sorry, dagger might not be the right illustration. Sorry, my wife is going to... Yeah, I, 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 I got it. It's a bad illustration. But when you go to correct somebody, it can kind of feel like that because it's going to sting, right? When you correct somebody, it's going to sting. The only way that it works is if the sting is worth it. And if the, sting, the only way the sting works is if you actually love this person. So when, uh, when you're looking to love some, when you love somebody and you're looking to correct them, you're doing it in a way that is really motivated for their good, not for your own good, not so that you can be this person that's lifted up and look how good I am, I can actually correct all these fools. But... It's really looking to spur people on to live like God. Because that's what we want for ourselves, right? We want to live like God would have us to live. 
And the only way that that works is if we love people enough to say, I love you so much that I'm going to do this completely awkward thing like correcting you, calling you out on something, because it is the much easier thing to let it slide and just keep going. It really takes a lot of love to call somebody out. We, cor- uh, we correct to help, not to hurt. So we have to do it in a certain way that is actually constructive. It's wisely thought through because we could all just say, well, I just gave you the truth. And it's just completely ineffective. We have to, we have to love people enough that we're going to think this through. Maybe, maybe something you, you see something that needs to be corrected in somebody's life, and the best thing that you could do is to say to somebody wiser that's maybe been walking with God longer, how would you go about talking to somebody about this? That's, I mean, that takes a lot, of, a lot of effort, a lot of thought, a lot of prayer, a lot of caring for somebody to do that. The next thing is, extremely important as well, is correct based on Scripture. This is probably maybe the most important thing. We don't do this based on our own big ideas or what we want, our preferences, or anything like that. We're calling people to what God says. And this is, can be a real challenge because that does mean that we need to know what God says and we have to humbly learn ourselves, learn how it, how it really works. We have to, to really look at the situation and know what's going on to see, am I right in this? Combining the scripture, the truth, with the love that we have for each other, it, it, really powerful things can happen in each other's lives. Another thing that's just a helpful uh, is to, to correct based on patterns. So we're not just looking for that one-time thing that somebody's done and we're just going to give it to them. But we're really looking for bigger patterns. Like sometimes, I mean, we all have bad days. Sometimes we do things that are stupid or whatever, and it's just, we just messed up. We want to look for patterns, things that are really affecting a person that, because a lot of us, we do the same stuff over and over and over. I know the older I get, the more I do things over and over, and patterns start to form. We want to look at the kind of the bigger picture, things that we've seen in people's lives that we can call out and say, I know for a fact what I've seen, and this is what the scripture says, and work with the person to call that out. And then another one that's just, again, very helpful, uh, Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17, goes through kind of an exhaustive uh, look at the different realms you could correct somebody. So if I corrected somebody right in the middle of this message, that would be very heavy. That would be very difficult. But for the most part, most times when we correct someone, it's private. It's one-to-one. Um, but if you ever want to look it up, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, gives a couple different instances in the church where we need to correct uh, publicly. The next thing is the, uh, a couple, just a couple more tips that are really helpful. Is One is called uh, the 90-10 rule. And I've seen this in different respects. I used to be in Toastmasters. We would do this with how we would give input for people. But it's just a really, really helpful thing. When we give correction to somebody, it should be 90% encouragement and 10% correction. 90% building a person up and 10% stating what they've done wrong. This is, again, a game changer. This, is, this can only come out of love because we're not looking to just drop bombs on people. We are looking to really build up people and encourage them to come forward, to calling them forward to what God wants, uh, wants them to do. 
So if we do that, 90% encouragement, that means if you didn't correct somebody and it was really tough, then you got a little bit more to go of encouraging a person along and helping them along. Uh, but that builds the relationship where people can see, hey, I'm, he's not correcting me or they're not correcting me because they're looking to hurt me. But they're really actually looking to spur me along in this thing. Uh, another thing that I've found extremely helpful is praying for God's help during this process. Because we need courage to do it. We need courage to say those things that just sometimes feel so, uh, so tough to communicate to somebody. Something really, really hard um, that, that somebody's dealing with. To be able to call it out, it really does take help, and God offers that help to us. So uh, praying for God's help, asking God to give you the right words, to give you clarity, to be able to talk this thing through and not just get stuck, because I've definitely had that problem before. And then finally, like I said, you could always get input from your leaders, as well as uh, just wise individuals in the church, people that you've seen their lives and you've seen, man, they've been able to correct people and do it in a way that was really, or maybe somebody that's corrected you. That's probably the best place to start. Um, one thing I wanted to highlight is uh, a book right up here uh, called The Heart Attitudes, uh, Seven Keys to Healthy Biblical Community. This was a book that was written by the guy who is, so if you think of churches as like, our church was started out of Stone Arbor Church in Riverside, so we're like a grandchild or a child. We have actually, this is our great-grandfather church. Uh, but basically what Harold did when, uh, when he was coming up with the hard attitudes is he looked throughout the, the New Testament at the different biblical principles of how God calls us to relate to one another. They're, I mean, literally they say one another pretty much in all these verses. But if you look at all those, they can be condensed into these seven ways that we relate to each other and we relate as a church. So he wrote this book. It's really helpful. It's on Amazon if you want it. I make no commission off that. But it's been really helpful. Some of the ideas that I, um, they put in the area of, um, of just practical tips for encouraging or uh, uh, correcting people um, have come from him. And I will say another thing that's really helpful in this book is there's actually scripts of how you could explain something to somebody that are really, really helpful. It's not manipulative. It's not a game. It's literally how would you go about loving someone in a way that you could benefit them through correcting them. So I want to I wrap up by just saying this. Um, I am deeply convinced that correction is something that God is calling us to do as a church, not just because of these scripture, uh, the scripture that I've seen in, uh, in Hebrew that I talked about today, which again, you can look back on that and decide for yourself what you think about it. But I've seen this over and over because I've had to be corrected by a lot of people in the church. And honestly, as our pastors and leaders have corrected me, I've gotten a lot of help. I'm a very hard-headed person. I can be a very arrogant person. But as I've gotten correction, I've gotten a lot of help. So that's just made me motivated to learn how to do this so that I can help other people the way I've received help. And I will say, it is, it is not easy. It's, it can be difficult. It can be embarrassing. I've, I've tried to correct people on things that I thought were, I was so confident was what the Bible said. And then when I actually looked it up for myself, realized I just didn't know what the Bible said in this area. Or I've corrected people on things that I was convinced was what the Bible said, and it, just, it really was just my, um, my opinion or whatever. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually based on the text, and when I actually looked at what the Bible says, I realized I was wrong. I've had, I've had times where I've corrected people, 
and I didn't read them very well. I didn't read how well, how, how open they were to actually receiving the correction. And that has its own problems involved. But what I want to encourage you on is that we all can do this. We all have the opportunity to do this. As we get to know one another, we're, we learn all kinds of things about each other. And the goal is not that we're like on a hunt to find all the things that we can correct. But as we love each other, as we serve one another, as people move and we help them move, as, as people get sick and we bring them a meal, as we do fun stuff, we celebrate holidays, we do all sorts of things together, as we get to know one another, we can actually be massive, massive sharpeners in each other's lives. What would that look like if you stepped out and worked on being able to call somebody forward to God's way? What could God do through you? What would God do in us as a church? One, one picture, I think, would be that we would just be built up. God continually builds us up as we correct, as we call one another forward. And again, I think that word correction has a lot of connotations, and it's probably, you may still be pushing back thinking about correcting somebody. I will say that this may not be a thing that you do every day. It might not be something that you do every week or month. But I would say that as we grow into maturity, into Christ-likeness, this is something that needs to be on our radar because we're called as a church to correct one another. Uh, so a few maybe next steps that you might want to think about. I didn't write these down on the, uh, the handout this week. So if you want to write these down, maybe these, one of these might be, uh, might be something that would be helpful for you to say, all right, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to start doing it by one of these things. The first one is up there. Consider one person you can sh share a meal with this next few week, in the next few weeks. So again, you don't have to do it today, don't have to do it tomorrow, but maybe think down the line. When would you have a time when you could get a meal with somebody, get to know them a little bit better? Building those relationships is the first step in us affecting one another. It's not, maybe not the goal of the relationship, but it may be part of it, is that we don't correct people because we're, we're, not, we're not connected to people. The second thing is uh, prioritize spending time with God this summer. So that's probably a good one for all of us, but if, if, uh, if you're looking for a book of the Bible where you could get started, or maybe a reading plan or something that you can do to just get a little bit of, the, of God's Word every day and get started with some sort of Bible reading plan or time with God plan, um, mark that on your connection card. We would love to give you some more information about some really practical things you could do every single day that will build you up and give you an opportunity to know what God says. And then maybe God speaks to all of us as we're listening to these messages. So maybe God's spoken to you today about someone that you've seen a pattern in their life that is extremely destructive and is out of bounds of God's way. And you think that you need to, uh, to, uh, to call them forward, to correct them. I would ask you to take a step in that. Maybe it's praying and asking God what your next step is. Maybe it's talking to another leader or, um, or just really thinking it through. What, what was it that the, the Bible says and what do, I, what do I see that I think needs to be corrected? This is a really challenging 
topic. And I hope during this summertime, as we take a little bit of this time and we connect with one another, we don't have a target on our, each other's backs. We're not looking to just tear each other up and connect, correct one another. But one of the ways we like to say it at Valley Lights is that it's kind of like giving everybody a whistle. When we see somebody that's out of bounds, if you've, if you've committed to be a member here, you're saying, I want to walk and follow Jesus Christ, then we've committed to one another that we love each other enough that we call each other forward. And it takes this awkward step of correcting one another to actually pull that off. So I want to close this in a word of prayer. Let's ask for God's help as we, um, as we move through the service. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. You are... You're so good to us because um, you give us the truth in a world that is very shaky on the truth. God, you call us to things that uh, are uncomfortable sometimes, but you join us in them because you love us and you love the people that we interact with. Lord, um, I pray as imperfectly as I may have communicated this, that this would be something that we would grab a hold of and we would figure out for ourselves that we would build up this church in a way that people would see your love and live in your way, that you would get all the honor and um, we would be able to help one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.